And so I think that's really important to remember that God loves us and he gives us the sacrament of reconciliation out of love for us. Hello, welcome to the Crazy Catholic Convert Podcast. I'm your host, Karen. If you were to ask me why I became Catholic, I would say, short answer, beauty, goodness, truth. Long answer, well, that's why I'm creating this podcast. Ever since I became Catholic, I felt called to evangelize. I have stories to tell, and I know other Catholics do too. Our faith is a gift. It should be shared. Before I play this talk, I want to let you know that there is a lot of content that I will be clarifying in the conclusion. This was my first talk I ever gave for RCIA. I'm just a lay person, and I almost didn't share it because there's just so much editing that I needed to do. And I know there will be someone saying, um, that's not exactly right. And I would say, I know. Hold your horses. I will clarify. But I still like this talk overall, so I'm still sharing it. I will just clarify a lot of things in the end. As always, I also have some resources I'll be sharing with you because theologians, apologists, scholars, they can teach this stuff better than me. But I'm going to give you my perspective of the sacrament of reconciliation as a lay Catholic convert. So without further ado, here is my talk for reconciliation. So before I jump into reconciliation, though, I just wanted to say that I commend all of you. I did say for being here, I guess I'll say for listening, because the Catholic Church believes some crazy things. And so I just commend you all for taking the time for being open and humble enough to learn more about the faith. And speaking of being humble, reconciliation is probably one of the humblest things that you can do if you do it well. Just curious, I asked for a show of hands. What first comes to your mind when you hear the word reconciliation? Just some suggestions. Shame, guilt. Just for the record, that was probably the most popular. Good old fashioned Catholic guilt. How about healing, love, mercy, a gift? I'll be honest, and I'll talk a little more about this later. I didn't like confession at first. But I've actually always liked the idea of it. I've just always been a big actions speak louder than words type of person. So what really drew me to the Catholic faith in the beginning was that we believe you're saved through grace, which is faith and works. I still had a problem with the Eucharist, though. I could believe that that really was Jesus present in the Eucharist, and I was okay with waiting to receive communion until after I had become Catholic. But I just didn't see the sanctifying power of it. I thought, well, okay, you are what you eat, but I just didn't understand. But how does that make you a better person? And then one day it just like, oh, it kind of clicked. I realized to receive the Eucharist the right way, you need to be have a good relationship with God, which means you need to go to confession. It's like how you have to have the cross before you can have the resurrection. So that's really the biggest reason why I love confession is because if you keep trying to go and make a good confession, it will make you a better person. I think a big reason that confession just kind of has a negative connotation to it is because people, they get stuck on the rules and they either don't remember 
or they don't realize that it's about so much more than just rules. It's about your relationship with God, right? Now, I know it kind of sounds like my Protestant background is coming out because they're always asking, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? So I love this. It's a quote by Peter Kraft. He's also a Catholic convert. And this isn't verbatim, but he says, when you're Protestant, you and Jesus are friends. When you're Catholic, it's like a romantic marriage. And it really is true. So I'm going to go on another tangent. You guys know I go on tangents. But I had someone look up John 14, 2, 3, which says, In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. I never knew this until I became Catholic. But if you know the background of Jewish traditions, you learn that the bridegroom would go prepare a place for his bride. So you learn that when Jesus talks about preparing a place where they also may be, he is actually proposing to them, which means he's proposing to you. So sorry, guys, you have to feminize yourself a little bit. But the disciples, they're like, well, it was fun, Jesus, but got weird and now they're going to crucify you. So I think I'll just peace out now. And then I never knew this until I heard Scott Hahn's fourth cup. But in a Passover meal, they I think it's called like the cedar meal. They have four cups. I can't remember what the first three are, but the fourth cup is the cup of consummation. And so Jesus, he actually leaves before they drink the fourth cup. And like we read that and we think nothing of it, but it would be like going to Mass and not having communion. They'd be like, well, we missed something, the fourth cup. So he doesn't drink the fourth cup. He leaves. So now, skip forward to the crucifixion when Jesus is up on the cross and he says, I thirst. And they offer up the wine dipped in the sponge and he drinks from it. I had always heard the translation, it is, it is finished. But a more accurate translation is actually, it is consummated, the fourth cup. So I just thought that was fascinating. And I know it's a little tangent, but I thought that it really shows what a romance it is. I mean, like when you first see a First Communion, what does it look like to you? I think it looks like a little wedding. When you become Catholic, you become married to God. And receiving communion is actually a very intimate thing. God is inside you. So that being said, I'd like to go back to the whole rules versus relationship topic that I brought up. Sometimes people think that the Catholic Church can be kind of exclusive, you know, they're just like, oh, you can't even receive communion unless you're Catholic. And even if you are Catholic, if you like just miss a mass, you're not even supposed to receive communion until you go to confession first. And, you know, I could see maybe from a, a rules just perspective that can seem a little strict. But let's think about this from a relationship perspective, because that's what it is. If you and your spouse have a weekly date night, and one date night you just get stood up, no notice at all, wouldn't you want your spouse to apologize before you fool around again? So anyways, that's just my honest raw take on it. No analogy is perfect, but I really like analogies. So here's another one. 
So I can't remember who exactly said this. It was a long time ago when I heard it. It sounds like something St. Therese would say. So we'll just say this was St. Therese. This is when she was younger. So she was playing with her little brother around the house, and they were throwing something that they shouldn't have been throwing. And it hit a vase off of the wall and broke the vase. And so her little brother just gets scared and runs away. But St. Therese runs to her father. And before she can say anything about the vase, she says, kiss me and tell me that you love me. And so I think that's really important to remember that God loves us. And he gives us the sacrament of reconciliation out of love for us. So the father kissed her and told her that he loved her. And then she tells him about the broken vase. So then they go back and they look at the broken vase together. And the father gives St. Therese things that she can do around the house, some chores to help pay in a way for the vase that she broke. So let's say that this father is very wealthy. Does he really need St. Therese to do that to help pay for the broken vase? No. Does God really need our prayers that we're given, our penance? No, he doesn't need it. He loves us, and so he wants to have that relationship with us. He doesn't want us to be that brother who was scared and just ran off. I know some people, they ask, they're like, well, if God like is everywhere, he, he knows what I do. Why do I need to go to a priest to confess my sins? But it's not for God. You're right. God, God knows what you do. It's for you. So, so I don't think a lot of people see it that way. But it's easier to think about it that way, that God gives us reconciliation out of love. It's a gift of love. That being said, I have a few of my own confessions about confession. First, I say I have a love-hate relationship with confession. I think a lot of people do. The very first time I went to confession, we actually went on a retreat because I'm a convert. And so we went on a retreat right before we became Catholic. And I remember walking out of confession like, well, that was totally awkward. And I never really want to do it again. So if that's how you feel, it's okay. But I, I just, I didn't get it. And I went to a Catholic women's conference one time and the women, they were just talking about how they were crying. And I thought, you're crying. Right, like, yeah, it's really awkward, but what, what could they be confessing? I forgot to mention this in the last talk, but I love it. It's a joke by Fulton Sheen. He says, hearing a nun's confession is like being stoned with popcorn. And I mean, they weren't all nuns, but I just thought, my goodness, like, how bad can you be to be crying during confession? So anyways, I kept going because I really wanted to try to get this. I mean, so many people, they talked about how healing it was and how wonderful. So one time, though, I hadn't gone in a while, and I just remember feeling kind of like, eh, like I just maybe needed to go to confession. And so it had been a long time since I had gone, and I remember I was the penance service here at St. Stephen's, and I had a wonderful priest, and I just unloaded everything. <laughs> and in my defense, I was pregnant. I just started bawling. Afterwards, I felt so at peace. I could have levitated out of there. It was amazing. It took me, what, maybe three years of being Catholic before I felt like I had really made a good confession. So that's just my encouragement to you. Keep going. If it's awkward, who cares? Just keep going. It will get better. So anyways, next confession. I am a people pleaser. 
And so sometimes I just have a difficulty remembering that this isn't about pleasing anyone but God. And actually, it's not even like, you know, Father Adam. He's in persona Christi, which means in the place of Christ. And sometimes I still, like, I'll even try to justify myself. Like, oh, Father, you know, not, not too many actions this time, just my thoughts. It doesn't even matter. The only thing that matters is what God thinks of you. And kind of going along with that, I'm also an overthinker where I'll be so busy overanalyzing everything that was said in confession. Sometimes I forget to say my penance or almost forget. So, which is terrible because that's, you know, the whole point, not the whole point, but you should be able to just say your sins, say you're sorry, forget about it, move on and try harder. So. Anyways, but if you do that, if you're an overanalyzer like me, it's okay. Just keep trying. Oh, I love this quote. A saint is a sinner who keeps trying. Okay, so finally, I have some questions. How often should you go to confession? You're only actually required to go once a year. But the best answer I've heard, a priest just kind of looked at me like, you know when you need to go. Next question, what if I feel like I don't need to go to confession? Well, that might actually mean that you really need to go. In fact, they say, oh, if you feel like you don't need to go, that's when you know that you really should go. Because it means that your conscience is probably out of shape. No one is perfect. We're all loved, but we're not perfect. And so maybe you're just not even aware of the sins you're committing. And it's funny, I always thought, well, okay, maybe ideally my list of sins should get shorter and shorter, but I just kind of become more and more aware of the smaller sins, like, oh, that's a really nice thought I should be having. So anyways, that might mean you really need to go. So finally, I have a personal story about confession. So I was going to one priest that I really enjoyed. He was like 93. I don't know. Just sharp as a tact. So I had seen him pretty regularly because I was really struggling with jealousy and envy. We were still struggling to get pregnant, and I just was so jealous of all those other moms out there. And one time I told the priest, I said, I still love God, but I'm really mad at him. And he said, oh, did you tell God that you're mad at him? And I was like, well, I think he already knows, I'm sure. And he said, oh, no, you make sure you tell God that you're mad at him. So anyways, I finished my confession. And he said again when I left, make sure you tell God you're mad at him. And so I went home and I just let God have it. I'd say I turned into like a sulking teenager. And I just figured there are a lot of women in the Bible that struggled with fertility issues. And I think a lot of them handled it a lot better than I was. But I just reasoned. I was like, well, God. If you wanted me to handle this better, you should have made me more patient. You should have made me holier. So it's on you, God. And, you know, I just became that sulking teenager. And but lo and behold, a week later, I did this for, yeah, probably about a week, giving God the silent treatment. I say I still said some rosaries because me and Mary were still cool. But a week later, I got pregnant. It's kind of funny. I guess God was like, you're right, Karen. You're not that holy here. I'll just give you Joseph and sanctify you this way. But anyways, I went back to that priest and it was a while. I think I was like seven, eight months pregnant. And I said, I know you don't remember this because they always say they don't 
even remember your sins. But you told me that I should tell God that I was mad at him. And I did. And then I got what I wanted. And I know God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we want to, but in this case, he did. And I just really felt like it it was very beneficial for me to just let God know that I was angry with him. And this priest was so wonderful. He just had like tears in his eyes and he was just like, oh, that's wonderful. When are you due? And so anyways, ever since then, I just have kind of seen confession as a gift because it's just not only is it very healing, but you can get good advice sometimes from those priests. It's funny. I even, um, I'll be talking to my women's group about marriage and they're like, wow, Karen, this is good stuff. And I'm just saying verbatim what a priest told me. So anyways, that's all I've got for reconciliation. Just remember, you are love. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Crazy Catholic Convert Podcast. Let's just dive into the clarifications because it bothers me. First clarification, we're not really married to God until we die and God willing, go to heaven. But for the sake of the first analogy I used, it made more sense to say when you become Catholic, it's a romantic marriage, but it really is just a romance. And I actually think that is what Peter Kreitz said. When you're Protestant, you're friends with God. When you're Catholic, it's a romance. God is still very romantic, and you definitely receive special graces through the sacraments that help you grow closer to God. Also, I did this talk right before COVID. So post-COVID, there have been other questions about mass attendance. And I read this article. I wish I could find it again because it summarized the whole issue very well. It said there's only really two things to consider. One, what does your bishop say? And two, be considerate of others. So for the first one, It really comes down to our obedience. We don't just go to Mass because we feel like it or because it's convenient. We go to show our love for God, and that is through obedience. Does your bishop say that you need to go to Mass? Second thing to consider, be considerate of others. Is your going to Mass going to make others around you uncomfortable? It kind of varies for each person in each situation, but let's say you deem it too dangerous to go to Mass. If you're going to the mall or to a sporting event, you can go to Mass, right? What are your priorities? So again, I hope that offers some clarification because I'm very science-minded myself, right? Just because one miracle happens at Mass does not mean another miracle will happen. So I thought that was just a great way to look at it. What does your bishop say? And be considerate of others. I still cannot remember the first three cups of the Cedar Mill, but I will attach a link to Dr. Scott Hahn's talk on this, The Fourth Cup, if you would like to learn more about it. I love how you can really teach yourself a lot about the Catholic faith if you know where to look. I'm no theologian, but I can direct you to some good ones. So I will have that link by Dr. Scott Hahn, as well as a talk by Dr. Brant Petrie on Jesus as the Bridegroom. Next clarification, the St. Therese analogy 
doesn't quite make sense the way I told it because St. Therese was the youngest and her brothers died at a very young age. Maybe it was another sister, maybe Celine, who was definitely her playmate, or maybe it wasn't St. Therese, but I still think it sounds like her. So again, for the sake of the analogy, that's who I used. And speaking of St. Therese, there is a wonderful book by Father Michael Gately about St. Therese. It's called 33 Days to Merciful Love. It's like a sequel to his 33 Days to Morning Glory. I enjoyed this book so much I'm reading it again, so I'll attach some info on that as well. Finally, I really need to make a clarification on prayer. And that is that prayer does not change God. It changes you. I did not change God's mind, but God does want to have a relationship with us. I did a really good study with my church here. It was called Lexio Prayer with Dr. Tim Gray. I will attach a link to that as well. I remember one of the questions was, do you wrestle with God? And some of the participants were like, that's kind of physical. I don't know, especially the women. And I thought, you know, I think each person wrestles with God a little differently. And that was how I wrestled with God. God wants us to come to him and wrestle with him. He just doesn't want us to walk away. I remember that was another takeaway. When I wrestled with God, it actually made me more prayerful. Anytime I would get sad thinking about my infertility struggles, I would just think, "Ugh, I'm mad at you, God. That was like my prayer. And so I just wanted to clarify that we cannot change God's mind. Prayer changes us. Finally, last resource I would like to share with you. You can also just Google this. It's an examination of conscience for if you'd like to go to confession. I look at this right before I go, and then I make like a little grocery list. I just go through all of it and write out my list. Finally, I'd like to play this clip from my cousin. She gave her testimony, and so I'm just going to play a clip of it that she mentioned about reconciliation. This was the first time that I'd gone in years, and she provided a good examination of conscience for me to use. We're talking like a page of what are my sins front to back, two columns, very small font. (laughs) And I read through it and I remember thinking about several of the items on the list. No way is that a sin. No one told me that. And so I went into the confessional that night or day, whatever. And I remember saying to the priest, "I'm, I'm confessing some of these things because it says so on my paper, but I don't really get it. Why is this a sin? And he was able to explain some of those to me and talk me through it. That's also my little public service announcement that it's okay to do that, to ask questions in the confessional and to admit that you don't necessarily understand something. So since I have already dumped you with so many resources, I will be sharing her full talk in about two weeks. And then for next month, I will share my interview that I had with my cousin Amy. So stick around. I hope you can join me in a few weeks. 